0: This is the marked podcast from lifeway women we're your hosts mary margaret west
1: and elizabeth heineman
0: each episode we'll talk about what god's doing how he has and is marking each of us
1: sometimes that will be through interviews and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table
0: we're so glad you joined us today Y'all, we want you to come to Nashville.
1: Yes, in November. The best time to come to Nashville, in my opinion. Yeah. It's finally getting cooler. Mm hmm. It's that beautiful fall season. It is. Yes.
0: If you're from this like further south of Nashville, you can bring a jacket. You could wear your boots. You could bring a cute, cute scarf. Yes. And if you're from the north, it just won't be quite as cold as where you are from. It'll be a break from it. I know. So we're asking you, no matter where you live and where you're listening from today, to come to Nashville November 7th through the 9th for the Lifeway Women's Leadership Forum. And who is this forum for, Mary Margaret? Okay.
1: It is for any woman who leads in any way. And here's the secret everybody probably leads somebody. You do. So you are a leader. Yes. Yeah. So if you're listening today,
0: yes, congratulations. <laughs> you have been promoted to leader if you didn't already know it. And we want you to come to Nashville in November for the Women's Forum, because honestly, like I've been a part of this event for like six or seven years now. And and it's probably, it's my favorite thing that we do. Don't tell anybody yeah. that I said
1: that, but it's, it's really fun, you guys. It's
0: really fun. And it's three days. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday event here mm-hmm. in the Nashville area. Um, you're going to get to hear from incredible keynote speakers. Um, like
1: Shelly Giglio.
0: Yes. Whitney Capps. Who you're going to hear on this episode today.
1: Yes. Robbie Mhm. Kelly Minter. Yep. And Christine Kane.
0: I mean, talk about a lineup right there.
1: Right. Dynamic.
0: It really is going to be awesome. And so honestly, like we, Elizabeth and I will both be there. We would love to connect with you, but we want y'all to come and connect with each other. We want you to come make new friends, meet women from other parts of the country who are leading and who God is using um, to really step like take the next step in whatever mm-hmm. leadership journey you're walking and so um you can find out more information by visiting today's show notes um but the link is lifeway.com forward slash women's forum um, but we hope to see you in november we would love for you to come to nashville well whitney welcome to the March podcast
2: Thanks, you guys. I am so excited to be here. I have been looking forward to it for weeks.
0: Good. We have to. I feel like this has been on our calendar for a while now, and so we've we've been chatting about it and just really looking forward to talking with you today. Thanks. Absolutely. Would you mind just kind of telling us um, all of our listeners just a little bit about yourself?
2: Absolutely. So, my name is Whitney. I am the wife to Chad, and we are raising our four boys, Cooper, Dylan, Ryder, and Tate, just outside Atlanta, Georgia. We live in a tiny little town called Social Circle, and um, we kind of live out in the sticks. So, mainly, I can tell the boys to go outside and play, and I don't have to see them for quite a while, which <laughs> is beneficial when you have four boys. So, um We do life out here with the boys and um, my oldest is 13 and my youngest is seven. And so I joke that I'm in the smelly phase, like, um, you know, sports gear and living out of our car and all of that kind of stuff. And so um, we're just dipping our toe into the teen years. So um, anybody that has advice feel free to send that my way um, because we're just at this point kind of um, at least making it up as we go along for this new phase. That's the thing about motherhood. Every time I thought I kind of had it figured out, we moved into a different age and a different stage. So um, anyway, that's really fun. And then I spend most of my time doing ministry. And here at home, that looks like just local church ministry at our church called Cross Point. And then when God is kind enough to give me the opportunity to get on the road and go see some women, I get to go hang out with incredible women across the country um, through Proverbs 31 Ministries and of course uh, the team at LifeWay and B&H.
0: Awesome. I love it. And, um, and I just like everybody that has said, cause this is my first time to get to chat with you. I know Elizabeth, you and Elizabeth have met before. Um, everybody says, you're going to love her and you're going to love her accent. And so I just, <laughs> I've already enjoyed just hearing you kind of chat for a minute and, um, tell us a little bit about your family. I love that, like, even as somebody who is super passionate about, um, what God's doing in the lives of women, I, I love that you have boys at home and mm-hmm. that you are yeah. surrounded by, by boys. I feel like that happens in such a funny way so often that the Lord, um, you know, gives us just different responsibilities for different seasons of our lives and that while you're raising boys you're encouraging women at the same time and I love how he's using you to do that and and he's using you right now through that like when it comes to Bible studies and books mm-hmm. and all of that so tell us a little bit about what you've been working on and some of your brand new yes. stuff
2: oh my gosh it's been so fun you guys first of all I never um this is not really a bucket list item for me I love to teach God's word and don't really think of myself as an author but anytime I I uncover something true in God's Word. Like I'm the obnoxious person who is like, oh my gosh, I have to tell you what I learned in my Bible study today. And so this was just kind of an outflow of that. And I noticed a trend in uh, my girl's Bible study in our small group and and kind of whenever my girls and I hang out um, that we would often talk about just brokenness and transparency and authenticity and wanting to be, be real all of which are for sure virtues for the believer, but at least I found in my own life that I was leaning really hard into my brokenness, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't seeing change and spiritual fruit happen as a result, and um, like I said, I noticed this kind of trend that we love people who are real and authentic um, and transparent, but I didn't really know what that spiritual virtue looked like. So I went to scripture to kind of start studying it and discovered that it's not really something that's talked about a whole lot in scripture. And so I was having this dialogue with a friend of mine, a mentor, just kind of that I felt like I was going through the motions and doing all the things that a good church girl does, you know, the things that the church rightly has equipped me to do, but I wasn't experiencing a lot of fruit. And you guys, like, I can, this is, I remember where we were sitting in the restaurant and what she had on. And um, she reached across the table and grabbed my hand and she was like, what? You've told me a whole lot about you. Why don't you tell me about Jesus? Mm. (laughs) And she's so tender and so gracious. And I remember leaning back in the booth and I was like, holy cow. Yeah. Like I have somehow kind of started living a life that is gospel adjacent, but not gospel centered. And I could talk around Jesus in a way that sounded good and sounded like all the right things, but it was not gospel centered. And so it kind of sent me to scripture to start studying what part does brokenness and confession play in the Christian life and specifically mm. um, within the doctrine of sanctification and what that looks like? And what I, when I kind of started to tug on that thread, I realized that at least in my life, I was pursuing self-help instead of sanctification. Wow. In my mind, it was sanctification, mm-hmm, but in yeah. practicality, it was, man, a whole lot more self-help than it was sanctification and it hurt. And so the book is really the process of me in the trenches, trying to work out um, what that looks like in my life.
0: Yeah. Gosh. And I just feel like that's where so many women Mm -hmm. find themselves is in this thing of like, we're talking about things that are right next to the gospel. We're not really talking about the gospel. And, and I think we see so much of going like, like in Elizabeth and I've had this conversation Mm -hmm. talking about like every billboard and instagram post says that that we are enough but it's not talking about how we're enough because of christ right you know and that only in him can we truly be enough and so i love that you're tackling these things that are Mm -hmm. like that are tough issues that way
1: yeah
2: yeah well, I, here's, the, here's the challenge is I think within the church culture, and let me just say outright, nobody maliciously does this, okay? Right, so nobody yeah. in the church culture is out to kind of hoodwink us and make this all about us. But in some ways, we have tried to make our books and our sermons and our songs so practical and so— um, so careful to minister to people where they are, Mm -hmm. that we kind of filtered that and listen, if you give me that message, my flesh is going to ratchet that up and make it all about me. So even good books and Bible studies that wanna help me find my identity in Christ, Mm -hmm. unless I lean really hard into the in Christ part, I just become so preoccupied with my identity. Like, I kind of think it's even like, I don't know if y'all have seen this, but like this obsession with the Enneagram, which I love, mm-hmm. super beneficial. It's awesome. But it is a tool to recognize who I am and use to its best. I want to accentuate the good parts of me and be healthy and whole. But yet for a believer, sometimes knowing more about ourself is beneficial in that it helps us crucify our flesh, not celebrate it. And we can kind of miss that, I think. And again, not maliciously, nobody's trying to make it about Mm us, but we just have to be hyper vigilant because my flesh is so stinking stubborn. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I I know how to control it. And this is, y'all, this is the wretchedness in my heart, but I've been so kind of in, and cultured into the church that I even know how to do it in a way that looks churchy mm-hmm. but it's still ultimately all about me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think along with that you were talking about, you know, you dwell we tend to dwell in the brokenness of and I think I see that so much. It's almost like we've done a pendulum squ- swing from like everything being okay. It's all okay. I'm fine and and now it's like, "Oh, I'm also broken." And that's and that's true that is a true fact but i feel like when we dwell on that and not on the hope of christ to make us whole then we get stuck in the like it's okay to not be okay but we don't ha- add the extra thing that mary margaret always adds but it's not okay to stay that way and so i that's think that's so true i think that's um something that we're just seeing across culture especially yeah. the christian culture because it is such a thing that we we are feeling in our world today the brokenness, and so yeah. to identify with that and say, "I see it too," is something that gives us a starting point to have these gospel conversations. But you have to move on to the gospel at some point because that's where the hope is. And so I think, um, just like you were saying, like we we tend to get stuck there, and it's all about me and what Jesus can give me, versus like let's just look to Christ, yeah. who is yeah. not broken.
2: Well, the thing is, transparency and confession and kind of airing our brokenness can feel really cathartic. Mm-hmm. And it is a part of becoming more like Jesus. Right. And that's really all sanctification is, is living and loving and looking more like Jesus tomorrow than I did today. That's yeah. it. And certainly confession is a part of that. But again, if we're not hyper vigilant, confession can become cathartic where I do it in a group and I just kind of want to be let off the hook for mm-hmm. my sin. And listen, women are the worst about this <laughs> in the best sort of the way, right? Yeah. Like yes. I mean, my friends love me deeply. So if I show up and I'm like, y'all, Chad and I got in a massive fight again. And I let my temper get the best of me. And I'm so frustrated. And then a girl in the group inevitably will be like, oh, we, we so understand. And listen, girl, this is a grace place. We've all done it. There's no shame. <laughs> and, and I wonder sometimes if the Holy Spirit is like, no, um, no, 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 no. She should feel some measure yeah. of, of conviction mm-hmm. over that. And yet we kind of want to rescue each other and let each other off the hook. Um, that's the best case scenario. But there is also a deeper part of this transparency trap where I just want to say it to you to kind of deflect from the actual conviction that's happening in my heart Mm. as if confessing it to you is enough. And I say, every time I talk about this, you guys, my first point of confession should never be to another human being. Yeah, I shouldn't be confessing something to you that I have not dealt with the Holy Spirit about, because if I am, then what I'm asking you to do is affirm me, not hold me accountable. And sometimes we can kind of cut the legs out from under what the Lord is wanting to do, because you've made me feel better. You've told me it's okay. You're there too. And you understand me when really the Holy spirit wanted to use that measure of conviction and discomfort to actually change me. And Mm. so again, we don't mean for it to be that way, but unless we pay really close attention to our motives as to why we're confessing and the transparency that we are using in our communities, it can kind of mask something deeper that's going on. And that's not beneficial for the community. It's not beneficial for the church. And it's certainly not beneficial for me. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Here's just the thing, though, it's yeah. so sticky, right? Like, it's like, I, uh-huh. like I do want my friends to be real. And I. it's so lovely that the church finally woke up and said, listen, we are not plastic. We are not perfect. We are broken, Yes, but it's just what you were talking about. We are the only people though who have the hope for the so what part mm. of that yes. confession. And listen, um, y'all can cut this part out or hijack it if I get <laughs> too deep into this, but I, I, I'm sure y'all have sensed it. There is a um, hyper popular um, message right now that is you can be your own hero. Nobody can tell you how big your dreams wanna be. You can bootstrap this thing and make your life better and women are loving it and it grieves my heart because it is gospel adjacent it is not gospel centered and here's the reality what it here's the good news for the church is what that should tell us is that women are desperate to believe that there is more for their life we are desperate to believe that we are not stuck in our patterns the difference is you and i could stand up and say you're not stuck can i tell you how the gospel actually works. Mm. Like this thing that Jesus Mm -hmm. died for, this thing that I've given my life to, it actually works to make us better. It truly does. And that's the thing about transparency. It can't just be airing all the junk, which is kind of sometimes how we filtered it. That's just kind of, you know, verbal diarrhea of all that's wrong in my life spiritually, when the reality is we have to be able to also say transparently, Like, I I actually look more like Jesus today than I did yesterday. I'm not perfect, and I can tell you 47 other ways that he needs to fix me. But because of the gospel, there is actual hope that you and I can be better than we were yesterday. And I think that's what women are desperate to hear.
1: Yeah. I agree.
0: And because there's hope attached with that, and Mm -hmm. there is answers, and there is, like, there's Christ attached to that. And so we— I think we're, we're looking for solutions that will be band-aids and even like I went to the doctor this week because I've been I've been sick and had a virus and she gave me a steroid because I was going out of town last weekend and she said Mary Margaret she said this will make you feel better for a few days but this is a band-aid like this is not solving the underlying problem and I think that's where so many of these things that you're talking about Whitney are Like they are band-aids that are temporary fixes to make us feel good, to let us survive the next few days, rather than healing from, you know, than receiving the healing piece of it and and truly attacking the root of what's going on in our lives that lets Christ do his work in and through us that transforms us from the inside out.
2: Absolutely. That's one of the things we talk about in the book is that I think— sometimes what we find is that we are doing spiritual things to feel better rather than doing spiritual things to actually be better yeah and that's the massive chasm between self-help and sanctification self-help's end game is my happiness and sanctification's end game is my holiness and i don't know about y'all like maybe this is just the sinfulness of my own heart and how jacked up i am so severely but i I can't look back at my life and find times where on the other side of something, I looked dramatically more like Jesus and that process felt like being licked by kittens. You know, I mean like it was, <laughs> wrong. It was like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose to do that. Yeah. And yet on the other side of that, I can say he made me more holy, yeah. but yet sometimes what we, it's just what you're saying. We want the bandaid. And so what we get on the other side of that is happiness, but it's not sustainable holiness because we we didn't let the Holy Spirit do that internal work yeah. of sanctification. We know a lot about our part, the stuff that we do, the boxes that we check for our part of sanctification. Mm-hmm. But if we have not let him work in us internally— yeah, you're exactly right. It's a band aid.
0: Yeah. And I love just how you pointed out, too, that we as sisters in Christ have got to be ones who speak truth over one another mm-hmm. and, like, and sometimes let, you know, remind, be reminders of the grace of God, but also be reminders of just the bigger picture of what's going on, too, and to let some of the reality of it sink in. Cause I think so often we come in to try to save the day and, like, provide a positive response to a difficult situation that we end up doing more harm than good.
2: That's right. Yeah. And and again, not malicious. We love one another. It's the beauty of community, but community is not meant—if we unpack congregational living biblically, the end game was not that you and I would feel close to one another, but that we would be connected to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think we have decided that community is healthy if I feel bonded with you and you get me and you support me. We have some shared interests and for sure you make me look more like Jesus, but we make it about these superficial things. And when those things shift or change or evolve, then our community starts to crumble. And congregational living was always built around who we have in common, not what we have in common. And if that is the filter for healthy biblical community... Everything changes, right? Mm. Because then when you look at me from the other side of my Bible study circle and say, hey, I love that you are honest about that. Now, what does it look like for you to be more holy? Mm. Then I go, I know that that's how you're loving me in community. And I think, I, I i mean, I know like some of us are like, whoa, that makes me super nervous. But I actually think that's what we want. Yeah. I think that's what most of us are desperate for. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And so how does that like how does that flesh itself out in the book Sick of Me and then in the Bible study We Over Me? Because I think, you know, women are going to see, you know, we're going to link to both of those in the show notes today Mm -hmm. on the podcast. But kind of how would you point women to these as a resource to help as they're wading through these waters?
2: Sure. The reality is they are connected in that they both deal with um, our individual holiness. Sick of Me looks at the doctrine of sanctification and what that looks like in an individual believer's life. And while it has community implications, What we're looking at is how you and I pursue holiness in a way and how that impacts kind of a small group of people around us. We Over Me looks at our pursuit of holiness within the context of congregational living and what it looks like for me to want holiness desperately in the context of the church. And it acknowledges, listen, this is my reality, maybe yours as well, church is crazy hard. Like, if you walk up close in community with people very long, they will hurt you, they will make you angry, they will do things to disappoint you, and we can become real disillusioned with the idea of congregational living. And yet, that is God's plan for proclaiming the gospel to the nations. Mm. It's it's the church. The church is the eternal bride of Jesus Christ. It's not a parachurch organization. It's not your group Bible study. It, it is the church. And so no matter how I feel about the church, I have to figure out how to love Jesus and love the church. And so that's really the Bible study. And it deals with all the wonky, hard, ugly sides of the church. I don't wanna ignore any of that but we don't get to kind of bail on the bride just because she acted like a bridezilla. Jesus still loves her desperately. And so it's kind of reconciling all of that. And then if I'm honest, and this is the part that like doesn't get the lead in our marketing materials for it. But the reality is on the bride's most unlovely days, it's tied to how unlovely I am as a church member. You mm. know, and none of us wanna say that. It's always somebody else's fault, right? Right. But our churches will never be effective if its individual members are not holy. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's I won't lie, like it's not really a curl up in bed <laughs> soft, warm kind of bedtime read. Kittens looking um, your face, yeah, kind it's of Bible not, study. It's really mm. not. Um But man, man, it worked me over in the best possible way Mm. and made me love the church more and be more committed, really in a season where if I'm completely honest, man, I wanted to bail because it had gotten wicked hard. Um, So that's really the difference between the two. They both look at sanctification, but one kind of from more of an individual perspective and then the other, how that impacts our churches and congregational living.
1: And what made you decide to do two different things That kind of go together but one is a Bible study I'm always curious about like why why a Bible study for this topic why a book for this topic because I know that's something a lot of our audience is also uh asking like you know why is this one a Bible study why is this one a book and and just different things what kind of went into the that thought process and decision making
2: Well, for sure, the book is more personal, Mm -hmm. um, where you're kind of in the trenches with me, where I just really confess, I tell people, if I can guarantee you that at the end of the book, you will feel better about yourself because of how jacked up I am. And so (laughs) you'll be like, well, I mean, at least I'm further along than she is. (laughs) Um, But it really is my story of realizing that all the things that I thought would work were not. And honestly getting to the place where I I just didn't want to go through the motions anymore and kind of that really, really personal process. Um, And then the Bible study, it is deeply personal too, because I share a lot about my church wounds and where I'm coming from, but it looks at it from more of a corporate perspective and examines the seven letters that Jesus writes to the churches. And so given that biblical context, what's so beautiful about the letters is that there is kind of a communal prescription. So he speaks to the church congregationally and kind of diagnoses where they are, but then the application is really individual and so it's looking at okay what do we do to make our churches this this thing mm. that Jesus says he loves and values and that he cherishes or how do we change our churches from having some of these tendencies that Jesus calls out and so um i think you know it's obviously hyper selfish of me to say that they both have unique and significant impact but When I started writing the Bible study, I realized that Jesus is dealing corporately with the idea of sanctification Mm -hmm. and it's important to look at corporately, but I also needed to back up and go, but how does he work that out practically within my life individually? And that's really what the book is. Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: And those are the, I'm not sure I may have missed it, but those are the letters from Jesus in the book of Revelation. So all of you looking for that Revelation Bible study. (laughs) This may not quite be what you're looking for if you're looking for all the end time stuff, but this is still on the book of Revelation, which I know is um, a highly requested book and Bible Mm -hmm. study that we have
2: well, here's the thing, and this is maybe just a teaser if, if we ever do get to to do a Revelation Bible study. Uh-huh. I think it's super significant that Revelation opens with the letters to the churches. Oh, for
1: sure. Yeah.
2: There is a reason, before we get to the end times, before we yeah. get to the imagery, before we get to kind of this um, apocalyptic stuff that we're all so anxious to hear about, Jesus took the time to say to seven people local churches so he didn't write one letter because i don't think jesus sees our churches as kind of church capital c the global eternal bride of christ he writes the letters to local individual churches and so i think there is something for us to to i think he's speaking to us personally to say hey before you worry about all the end time stuff church you have a job to do yeah yeah and you need to feel passionately personally and urgently the call of the gospel before we get hung up on timetables and imagery and who's right and who's wrong and when we're going to be in the air and when we're not. If we miss the gospel in all of that, it's 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 just the Lord of the Rings. You know what I'm saying? Like there is a gospel urgency for that. And yeah. I do, if I'm honest, I do think sometimes we miss that in Revelation. We sort of breeze past the letters to get to the really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but I think there's a reason that they're seated there right at the beginning.
0: Absolutely, yeah. and um and Whitney, you know, just to you've referenced just sort of some of your background and experience, um, just with the church and with, um, just in your own life, and I love how you share so much about yourself and of yourself in, um, in both the the book and the Bible study, but especially in the book, you know. But what what has marked you, um, just as you have journeyed along um, with the Lord?
2: Mm. I would say that nothing has been as sanctifying to me as life in the local church. And so I'm a local church girl through and through. My dad has been my pastor my entire life. Um, And so I have seen the beauty of the bride. And I, I joke, you know, like. A lot of times we get the silhouetted, filtered, lovely kind of staged pictures of Sunday morning worship, and it's spectacular, mm-hmm. um, the filtered version of the bride. And um, for those of us who've been around church a long time or been on staff or served in any way over a period of time, I joke that I kind of see this straight out of bed, running into Walmart, wearing yesterday's makeup church, <laughs> yes. you know, like mm-hmm. the, it's, it's not yes. the filtered Instagram right. church. Um, and yet I am deeply persuaded that this is God's plan A Mm -hmm. for the redemption of humanity. Yeah. We are, we are the agency that he purposed to proclaim Jesus. Um, that's the overwhelming context. And it's not just of the new Testament. The old Testament was establishing a basis for congregational living, um, since the beginning of human history. And so, um, that has marked me in a profound way in that I have scars that say, Hey, the church hurts. Um, but community is worth it. It is not easy and it has to be fought for and held on to. And sometimes that holding on to is people holding on to you even when you want to run or bail. Yeah. Um, but man, it is worth it. It is. So worth it. And even for the woman who would say right now, it doesn't feel worth it, I think the thing that has changed me so dramatically about the church is the awareness that what I feel about it is not as important as what Jesus says about it. Yeah, because most of the time, my feelings on the church are they're pretty complicated. You know, if right. we had a relationship status, it would be complicated. <laughs> but um, I think what is changing me is that those feelings, um, don't get to dictate my commitment to the local church um, and not the global church. Cause I think sometimes we have this idea that I can just watch it on TV or be a part in some kind of removed third party digital sort of way. And that's not the context of scripture
1: yeah. at,
2: at all. And so right. I think we're supposed to sit shoulder to shoulder with broken people, get frustrated when they take our parking spot, get <laughs> mad when they don't show up for another you know, um, planning meeting, be disappointed because, you know, they weren't nice to my child, all the things that we get frustrated about and still show up, still forgive, still take communion, looking in the whites of one another's eyes. And remember that this is what Jesus died for.
0: Amen.
1: I know such a beautiful picture of the church. Well, thank you, Whitney, for coming okay. on here.
0: Mm, thank you for being with us on the podcast yeah. today.
1: You guys, I have loved it.
2: Y'all are so great, man. Thanks for letting me talk about it. And um, sure. I'm just super, super
1: grateful for and all y'all. That, are um, this is an audio medium, so no one could hear Or hear all the head nods That we were just like Yes, that's so good That's so good So just know that We we love what you said
0: Absolutely And I kept looking at this And
1: going This is really
0: good So we just really Just appreciate How the Lord has gifted you And how you're using your voice And just, you know His calling on your life For this season To to share that with other women And um, and like we talked about At the top of the episode You can um, hear Whitney speak Mm -hmm. At this year's LifeWay Women's Leadership Forum And so we will link to that in um, in today's show notes. Um, but hope that you guys will join us here in Nashville in November and yeah. um, when Whitney comes to join us here. I know, so. it'll be fun.
2: It'll be so fun. It'll be so fun. And hey, thanks for having me. Let me just say this because I always hate when um, it feels kind of rainbows and sunshine. And let me just say, I know this is one of those messages that preaches easy but lives hard. Mm. And so for people who are in a hard season with the church, I don't want anybody to think that I don't get it and that I'm not empathetic towards just that it can be really, really difficult. And so um, just thanks, for, thanks for the opportunity to talk yes. about it. But I don't, I don't want anybody to feel like I just don't understand or yeah. that I'm super Pollyanna um, mm-hmm. because I'm not. There is a reality that the church must do better. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the reality is, I must be better for the mm. church to do better.
0: Amen. Mm-hmm. Yep. I love it. Hey,
2: thanks you guys. Y'all mean <laughs> uh-huh. the world. I so appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank thanks you. so much, Whitney.
0: And we will Bye, see you guys next time on the Mark Podcast. Bye. Thanks so much for listening.
1: If you want to join in the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at C. and at ED Heineman. Use the hashtag MarkedPodcast to connect with us. You can also
0: find Life by Women on all social media channels at Life by Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at lifebywomen.com forward slash podcast.
1: And if you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the show.
0: We will see you next time.